Praise the Lord. Would you turn with me this morning to 2 Samuel, the ninth chapter? Second Samuel chapter 9. We're going to observe uh, communion together this morning. And how many believe that it is a holy thing to partake of the Lord's table? And we do remember all that He's done for us. We remember... Uh, the benefits of His body, the benefits of His blood, and we do show forth uh, His coming. Amen. His death and His resurrection and His coming. And He is coming back, isn't He? You know something very, very exciting? This is as bad as it gets for us. <laughs> That's shouting ground. This is as rough as it gets for us. Amen. And we're being victorious down here. Glory to God. In 2 Samuel, the ninth chapter, we have the story. Well, you know, back up to 1 Samuel. Can I change if I want to? I think this will mean more to you. We'll get to 2 Samuel 9, but we'll do it this way. 1 Samuel, the 18th chapter. 1 Samuel 18. The story is told in the Scriptures of David, before he became king, and how that when the Lord used him to conquer Goliath, when he came back from that victory and, and had that giant's head in his hand, uh, King Saul saw him and King Saul's son, Jonathan, saw him. Something clicked between Jonathan and David. Jonathan was a man of courage and a man of principle. And a man of honor. And David was a man of honor. And they both were men of faith and honor. You know, that's such a huge part of God, His honor. If you don't understand honor, you don't understand God. And, and the, the deep things of God you touch when you begin to talk about and understand His honor... There are two things that are very, very close to my heart. And, and so if you, if you feel like that you're part of this church and that I'm going to be your, your pastor and your leader, if you want to understand what, what makes me click and how I think, there are two things that will clue you into it. Humility and honor are two of the biggest things, closest things to my heart. Because through those two avenues, I have come to understand more of God. And gotten closer to Him. Amen? Yeah. Humility. You know, there's so much junk about humility. So many folk don't have a clue what humility is. It ain't running yourself down all the time. I'll just give you a hint. 
that can actually be a form of pride. You know, there's a lot of folk are proud of how humble they are. <laughs> you can see a problem right away, can't you? But David was and is a man after God's own heart. I mean, he, he understood something of, of the, the character and the person of God himself. And you see, in reading about him and the way he conducted himself and the things he did in life, he understood honor. And the Lord said, them that honor me, I will honor. And honor is inseparable from covenant. I said from covenant. It's inseparable. I mean, what are people honorable about? They're honorable about the commitments they've made. Amen? And covenant is about commitment. God has entered into covenant with man through the Lord Jesus Christ. And how many understand I, I don't care if heaven and earth has to be moved. God will honor His covenant. Amen. It is bought and it is sealed with blood. It is enforced with the very throne of heaven and the angelic host and the spirit of creation. His word concerning His covenant to man cannot, it is impossible for him to lie and for it to fail. And you'll find if you're going to be a person of faith, you must become a person of honor. You must become a person of your word. Your word must be a word of integrity. You must be, you know, God has exalted his word even above his name. Amen. And you must exalt your word above everything that is you and perform what you say and keep what you say at any cost. Let me just give you a real quick lesson on that. Anybody remember Mark eleven twenty three? Hmm? What does it say? Whoever will what? Say, speak words, say to the mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that what God says come to pass. Huh? Huh? I thought you said you knew that verse. Is that right? Shall believe that what God said in his word will come to pass. Huh? No. What does the verse say? Do you understand that in faith you must not only believe what God said, you must believe what you say. You must have faith in your own words. And if you tell lies half the time, then your own heart knows that your word's not a word of integrity. So you won't believe your own self. And you cannot have faith. You cannot be a person of faith if you're not a person of your word. God is a God of faith. And He is a God of His word. And when He says something, ain't no need thinking about it. <laughs> when He says it, it shall come to pass. It might be a thousand years, but it shall come to pass. 
And you and I need to learn not to be loose-lipped. We need to learn not to be idle with our words and talk. Don't just say a bunch of stuff. Think about it. Look at it. Don't be quick to speak. Be quick to hear. Amen? Don't be quick to speak. Be slow to speak. Think of, don't just confess stuff. You know, some people, they, they have the quantity mentality. They figure just throw out all the confessions you can throw out of your mouth and hope some of them hit. <laughs> Big mistake. You're better off not making but one confession a year, but having it come to pass. Did you hear me? Then you are dozens of things all the time and even forget half of what you said. And not half expect any of it to come to pass. Don't just spout words. Think. Meditate. Look at the Word. Wait on God. Ponder it. Meditate on it. Let it build up in your spirit. Amen? And then when you know that you know that it is the Word of God, you know that you know it's what you're supposed to believe for, what you're supposed to do, then believe in your heart and say it with your mouth and start saying it and just keep saying that same thing day after day, week after week, month after month. I don't care if it takes you 50 years. Never back off of it till you see it come to pass. I'm glad I started saying five years ago. Somebody's going to come give us one-time gift, $100,000. I'm going to keep on saying that kind of thing. <laughs> oh, somebody said, what are you saying now? I'm saying somebody's going to come give us one-time offering, $250,000. Somebody said, why don't you just, you know, say $5 million? Well, why don't you? Why don't you just say $100 billion? Finance the gospel. So, well, I believe I will. Well, you don't receive according to God's ability. You don't receive according to what God can do. You receive according to your faith. It's not what you can say. It's what can you confidently expect. Amen. We started saying 25 partners. That's what we claimed in our ministry years ago. We started claiming and then got up to $50 a month to send and support other people. Amen? Then it just kept going up from there and up. Now we're supporting thousands. Amen? Thousands a month individually and separately. Glory to God. Many, many, many thousands of partners. You start where you are. What are you saying? That wasn't just Keith. The Lord's asking you, what are you saying? Hmm? Ain't been saying nothing. Yeah, I know. Start saying something. Don't say it haphazardly. Well, these men were men of honor and covenant. And when they saw each other, honor recognizes honor. Deep calls unto deep. Faith recognizes faith. I was in a meeting some years ago, and a man got up to speak. I didn't know him. He'd spoken about five minutes, and I punched Phyllis. I said, I like him. She said, you don't know him. I said, I don't have to. He's got faith. Say, how can you know in five minutes? You can hear it. You can see it. Amen. God deliver us from all these whiny, baby, depressed, <laughs> negative souls. 
Step up to the plate. Bring some faith. Be a man of God. Be a woman of God. Have confidence. Amen. You only get that from the Word. You only get that from God. (laughs) I didn't intend to say that, but I did. Jonathan saw honor and integrity in David. David saw it in Jonathan. And in 18.1, when it came to, it came to pass, when he had made an end of speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And verse 3, Jonathan and David made a, a covenant. Everybody say Covenant. Because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of his robe and he gave it to David and his garments and his sword and his bow and his girdle. They exchanged things that were precious to them. They entered into a covenant of the Lord between them and between them and God. Is this serious? Yes, it is. It means my resources are available to you. Your resources are available to me. Through thick, through thin, through good, through bad, no matter what, we're together. Amen? So, you know the story. He was there and served with the king. And then down in the 20th chapter, you skip on over to chapter 20. Saul had gotten to the place where he wanted to kill David. Because he felt threatened by him and knew in his own spirit that he had uh, failed God and rebelled against God and that God had chosen David and, and anointed him to be king in his place. He didn't know all the details of that, but he sensed it. And he saw the anointing was gone from him. And he saw the anointing was on David. And he was envious. And envy is a killer. Envy is a murderer. And, you know, Jonathan, David told Jonathan, he said, I think your daddy's trying to kill me. He said, no, no, he's not. He said, yeah, he is. (laughs) This is the Keith Moore (laughs) version. And uh, so he said, I'll tell you what you do. You go hide and I'll go check and I'll, we'll say some things and see. Well, when David came up at the table, next thing you know, his daddy threw a spear at him. So mad at him and said, don't you know that this man's going to take your place? And so he came back out and he told him, yeah, it's like you said. And in verse 16, again, Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David. This is 1 Samuel 20, 16. And he said, let the Lord even require it at the hands of David's enemies. And Jonathan caused David to swear again because he loved him for he loved him as he loved his own soul. So they reaffirmed the covenant. Everybody say covenant. Go to the 23rd chapter. This is at the last when David now has to flee for his life. And Jonathan goes out to meet him. And he said in 1 Samuel 23... 16, Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David into the wood and strengthened his hand in God. Isn't that great? 
He's out there on the run, fugitive, has to watch his back, have to get up every morning thinking, can we sit here for a few minutes or do we have to run? Has done nothing except be anointed. And he said to him, verse 17, Fear not, for the hand of Saul my father shall not find you, and you shall be king over Israel, and I'll be next to you. Isn't that something? How many understand Saul was the rightful legal heir to the throne? You understand that? I mean, the kingdom was his, Jonathan's. But he was such a man of honor and a man who knew the anointing of God, he saw it was on David. Isn't that something? And he said, you're supposed to be king. (laughs) Not my daddy. Not me. You. God chose you. But I'm going to be right with you. I'm going to be your right-hand man. Boy, that takes a big man. I said, very few people have that kind of greatness in them. That kind of humility. And that kind of honor and integrity. Doesn't that touch your heart? What a man he was. You see why David loved him. You see why they had a covenant together. Men of honor. Men of integrity. And so he came out there and he strengthened uh, David's hand in God. And he said, now you be strong. won't be long, this will be over. And my daddy's not going to find you. And he ain't going to kill you. And you are going to sit on the throne. And I'm going to be right there with you to help you. We're going to do this thing for God. And David didn't know it, but that would be the last time he saw He'd see his covenant brother. Because not long after this, he fell in battle. And David sang songs about him and Saul. Even though Saul tried to kill him all those years, David wrote poetry and talked about how wonderful Saul and, and Jonathan were, how strong they were, their exploits in there. How many know, even if somebody has failed, even if somebody's been mean to you and treated you like dirt, if they were ever the called of God, if they were ever the anointed of God, show them honor. You don't have to honor every bad thing they've said and done, but you better honor the call on their life because that's what God did. And when somebody's gone and passed on to be with the Lord, it's no time to talk about their mistakes and their sins. Honor them in any way that you can. And he did. Now go to Second Samuel, the ninth chapter. At this point now, David is established as king. He's conquering his enemies on every side. Everywhere he's going, God's giving him victory. That's what the Scripture said. You'll find that phrase some half dozen times. Everywhere he went, God gave him victory. I claimed that for myself some time ago. I even sing a song about it in my car. Everywhere I go, he gives me victory. Everywhere I go, His Spirit is on me. Yeah. God is my God. There's no greater one than He. Everywhere I go, He gives me victory. Then I catch another gear. Everywhere I go, He gives me victory. Who needs a radio? 
I said that because you need to say that. Say it out loud. Everywhere I go, he gives me victory. Amen. That's what he did for David. Everywhere he went, he gave him victory. So now David, in chapter 9, he's sitting on the throne. He's blessed. His enemies are being brought underneath him. And in verse 1, David said, and this is how men of honor think. This is how godly covenant people think. David said, is there anybody left in the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? (laughs) Has Jonathan got any kinfolks that I don't know about? Now, you understand, in these days, the normal thing that happened is when a, when a new king got in, one of the first things he usually did was wiped out the family of the old king. Execution. But not men of honor don't do that. David wrote songs about Saul and Jonathan and honored them. And saw that they had proper burials. And saw after their families. And here years after this, he's sitting on his throne one day. And he's thinking about his covenant with Jonathan. Who's already going on. How Jonathan stood by him in his time of duress. Probably saved David's life. Intervened with him between him and his own dad. His own father. Was willing to give up the throne legally. And take a secondary place under David and serve him because he recognized the anointing on his life. And David is sitting there thinking about these things and he calls his servants and he says, I want you to search. And I want you to see if you can find anybody that is a relative and, and, and a descendant of Jonathan. Because there's a covenant between me and him. And so the search went out. Verse 2. There was of the house of Saul, a servant whose name was Ziba. And when they had called him unto David, the king said to him, Are you Ziba? He said, Thy servant is he. The king said, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God to him? And Ziba said to the king, Jonathan has yet a son, a son, which is lame on his feet. And the king said to him, Where is he? Ziba said to, to the king, Behold, he is in the house of Maker. Maker means sold. Now I want you to, to, to listen and watch carefully while we read this, because this is covenant. This, apply, this is a beautiful type of our covenant in God. Amen. David is a type of the Christ. He was in the house of sold. How many know that without God we were sold? The son of Amiel in Lodibar. Lodibar literally means no pasture. Pastureless. What do you mean no pasture? That doesn't sound good, does it? No pasture. No provision. So this man that we're going to find out in just a little bit 
uh, that his name was Mephibosheth. He was in a place, in a house of, of being sold. He was in a place of no pasture. His family had been removed from, from the house of the king. A lot of his people had died. He's lame on both feet. The story we're told is that while they were running away after they found the king had been killed, trying to escape for their life, his nurse fell and dropped him. Broke his, when he was a little, a little child, and, and apparently broke and damaged his feet and his legs. And here he is crippled in both feet. No more royalty, no more place in a place called no pasture. And verse 6, verse 5, David sent and fetched him out of the house of Maker, out of the house of being sold. The son of Amel, he fetched him from the place of no pastures. Does that remind you of anything? Did the king send and fetch you? Huh? <laughs> didn't he say, you didn't choose me? I chose you. I called you. I picked you. Did he, did he pull you out of the house of being sold? From your sins? From your mistakes? Did he pull you out of the place of no pasture? Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was come to David, he fell on his face and he did reverence. And no telling what he thought. Because in those days, when you were of the house of the previous family, ruling family, and the present king sends for you, you probably die. Because they searched out their enemies to destroy them. I imagine he came in fear of his life. He's been hiding. Why didn't David already know about him, see? He's been hiding. Fearing for his life. You know, in the house of being sold, in the land of no pastures, he was not having a picnic. And so he shows up. And he's cowering there. And he fell on his face. He's crippled. And David said... Mephibosheth. And he answered and said, Behold, your servant. David said to him, Fear not, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake. Oh, do you hear that? I will surely show you kindness for, for who? Did it have anything to do with Mephibosheth? Didn't have a thing to do with him. Except that he was the seed of Jonathan. I will show you kindness for Jonathan your father's sake. I'll restore you all the land of Saul your father. Did you hear that? What prosperity. You'll eat at my table continually. And he bowed himself. And he said, What is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I am? And the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and he said to him, I've given to your master's son all that pertained to Saul and all his house. He made him a rich man. Just like that. How quick can God bless you? <laughs> How quick can he bring you from the land of no pastures? He's sitting there groveling, 
crippled, fearful. David says, no, look up here. Look up at me. You Jonathan's boy. Me and your daddy has a covenant. And any son of Jonathan is a son of mine. <laughs> I will send for your stuff. You ain't going back to the house of sold. You ain't going back to the land of no pastures. Yeah, but King, King, King David, I'm just a dead dog. He said, you ain't a dead dog no more. Yeah. Everything that, that was your daddy's. And your daddy's daddy, the king saw, I give to you. He called this man who had 15 sons and they owned properties and farms. He said, you are under him now. And you see that all the increase in profit goes to him. He said, not that you'll need it because you're going to live at my house. And he told the servants, set another place at the king's table because Mephibosheth has come home. Reckon that has anything to do with us? <laughs> oh, glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. And so, verse 12 well, at verse 11, Ziba said to the king, According to all that my lord the king has commanded his servant, so shall your servant do. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table as one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. And all that dwelt in the house of Ziba were servants to Mephibosheth. I mean, he, go, he goes from being in the house of soul to having multiple companies yes. under him. Glory to God. And Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he did eat continually at the king's table and was lame on both his feet. I mean, a lot of people, you understand, in those days, if a man was crippled or something, a lot of times he, he wasn't allowed to remain in his own family. He was considered cursed. He had to stay outside the gates and beg, much less in the royal house but because of a covenant. I said, because of a covenant. David didn't know Mephibosheth. Didn't make any difference. What he had done, it's who he was, who his father was, and who he was the seed of in covenant. Go to Galatians. Let's remind ourselves of this. We're going to sit down at the Lord's table today. Somebody ought to say amen on that. I said, we're going to sit down at the Lord's table today. And we got a right to be there. Amen. And it makes no difference if we feel like our whole life has been lame in both feet. Or that we've been in the land of soul or that we've lived in a pastureless place. Because of who we are now in the Lord. There's a place for us at the table. In Galatians, the third chapter, Galatians 3 and verse 7, is this okay this morning? Galatians 3, 7, we'll read verse 6, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Know you therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. Is that you? 
Hallelujah. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith preached before the gospel to Abraham saying, In you shall all nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Somebody say, that's me. That's me. Skip down to verse 26. For you are all the children of God by faith. In Christ Jesus. I need to back up a little bit. Look in verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Being made a curse for us, for it's written, Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Brethren, I speak after the manner of men, though it be but a man's covenant. Yet if it be confirmed, no man disannuls or adds thereto. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. And he says not, and to seeds, plural, as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. And this I say that the covenant, everybody say covenant. The covenant that was confirmed before of God in Christ, the law, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul that it should make the promise of none effect. For if the inheritance be of the law, it's no more a promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. Wherefore then serves the law? It was added because of transgressions till the seed. Everybody say the seed. seed. Who is the seed? Jesus. Jesus, the Christ. The Son of God, till the seed should come to whom the promise was made, and it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. Now, a mediator is not a mediator of one, but God is one. Who's this covenant between? God the Father and the seed to whom the promise was made. Amen? The seed of Abraham, the seed of David, who is the Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ. This covenant is unbreakable. It's between God and man, but it's between God and the man, Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Unbreakable. How does that affect us? Same way it affects Jonathan. Keep reading. Verse 26. For you are all. Did you get that now? You are all the children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. As many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek, neither bond nor free, neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you be Christ, you're Abraham's seed, and you are heirs. Heirs according to the promise. That means your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. That means you are a royal citizen of heaven. That means He's gone to prepare a place for you. That means there's a place at the table for you and me. A place of honor. A place of dignity. A place of glory. A place of endless provision. 
Boy, I'm reminded of the 23rd Psalm, aren't you? He prepares a table before me right in the presence of my... Do you understand that there were people in, you know, that, that ran with David for all those years, slept out in the cold and had to leave their families? They hated Saul and everything that Saul had to do. And you remember there were different times that different ones of Saul's men said that, you know, they got in there, sneaked in that night, and there was Saul and his right-hand man said, let me get him. I won't have to strike him but one time. Just once, I'll get him. You remember that? That's how they felt about Saul and the whole bunch of Saul. And I guarantee you that some of them, you know, sometimes people don't turn loose of things. I mean, here comes Mephibosheth, who really has a technical legal right to claim the throne. And he comes in there, and I imagine some of them thought, how did he get by? But the king spoke up and said, I want everybody to know that this man eats at my table. For the rest of his life, there's a covenant between me and his daddy, and he is my son now, and he eats with my sons and with my family. Now, you understand, after that little speech, nobody messes with Mephibosheth. Do you understand that? Nobody would touch him. It's, how you doing, Mr. Mephibosheth? Everything all right with you? Can we help you with anything? Mr. Mephibosheth. Because he has the king's favor. And it had nothing to do with him. I said it had nothing to do with him personally. Because he had a covenant with his daddy. The Almighty has a covenant with my brother. The Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And because of my faith in Jesus, I have become the seed of God. Hallelujah. And there's a table for me and a place for me at the table. Somebody said out loud, there's a place at the table for me. Now go with me in closing to the book of Luke. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. The book of Luke in the uh, 22nd chapter. Luke 22. You like this? Are you like me? I mean, the the honor of God just touches me so deep. I don't cry about just everything, but tears come to my eyes. And up in my heart when I start, not tears of sadness, but just being touched by the love of God. This is real, friend. We're not just talking hype. This is no fairy tale. This is real. You and I have been made sons. Amen. Not not because of us, because of our Master, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the covenant that's between He and the Father God. And now there's nothing between us and God, just one mediator between God and men, the man, the Christ, the Lord Jesus. And because of that, I can come boldly before the throne of grace because i got a chair there at the table and just pull up and sit right down. Amen. And say, pass the biscuits, please. Two scoops of healing, please. And a big side of prosperity. Give me a servant of joy. Yeah. Give me another helping, heaping portion of victory. Amen. 
Can you taste and see that the Lord is good? Can we partake and eat of the bread of heaven? That's what we have in, in, in our life, in this life in Him. The Scripture says, But as many as received Him, to them gave He power. That, that word means gave the right to become the sons of God. And we have. In Luke, 22nd chapter, are you there? Oh man, this is so rich. Luke 22. Jesus' hour has come that He is to be offered up as the sacrifice. He is the covenant. Get this now. The the covenant that has been portrayed and shown and typified for all these centuries is to be cut now in His flesh. The word covenant means cut. And the covenant was cut in Jesus' flesh. He was lacerated, he was bruised, he was beat, he was pierced in his hands and feet, and he was pierced with a spear in his side. The covenant was cut in his flesh, and out of him flowed blood and water. And the covenant was cut between God and man, and the covenant was sealed. And when he was raised from the dead, having paid the price for sin, and now sat down at the right hand of the Father on high, the covenant is sealed. Hallelujah. This covenant, you understand, this covenant cannot be broken. There's there's no possibility. This covenant can be broken. And in Luke 22, Jesus knew the significance of what was about to happen here. Luke 22 and verse 14. When the hour was come, Jesus sat down and the twelve apostles with him. And he said to them, with desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. That literally means from my heart, I've longed to do this. Can you hear honor here? Covenant. They didn't just sit down and start eating and throwing food. This is a covenant meal. He said, man, I've been looking forward to this. I've been longing to do this with you. He said, I say to you, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. It what? What we're doing here. The Passover lamb typified him and the blood that was shed and applied so that the destroyer had to pass over and couldn't enter in and that they were saved. Now, you know, he did. Do you know when he ate and drank with them again? After he was raised from the dead. Amen. So it was fulfilled and the kingdom came at that time. And he took the cup and he gave thanks. And he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. Do you, do you think you would have felt honored to be sitting at the table with him that night? Come on, I want you to think about it a minute now. Can you by faith, in just a moment, put yourself at the table? 
Jesus looks across at you and me. And he says, I've looked forward to this. I've been wanting to do this for a long time. Would you feel honored that you have a chair at this table? You do. And he said, uh, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine till the kingdom of God shall come. And he did. Acts says he ate and drank with them after he was raised from the dead. And he took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave to them. And he said, this is my body which is given for you. See, his, his, the covenant was cut in his flesh. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup after supper, saying, The cup is the New Testament in my blood which is shed for you. But behold, the hand of him that betrays me is with me on the table. Everybody say the table. table. Now think about this. There's a man sitting at this table that you and I feel is the greatest honor in time and eternity, to be sitting at the table of the Master. You understand, he, he broke this bread and handed it to them. He even handed it, lifted the sop up to Judah's own mouth. He took his own hand and put it up to his mouth. And the Bible said when Satan received that, say, excuse me, when, when Judas received that, Satan entered into him. Why? Because such an act of betrayal of love. The master holds up a bite to his hand feeding you at his table, honoring you, and you're sitting there planning to sell him out. He said, one of you is going to betray me. Verse 23, and they began to choir, and they said, which of them it was that should do this? And there was a strife among them, which of them should be accounted the greatest? And he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors, but it shall not be so with you. But he that's greatest among you will be as the younger, and he that is chief as he that does serve. And whether is greater, he that sits at meat or he that serves? Is not he that sits at meat, but I am among you as he that serves. You are they which have continued with me in my temptations, my trials. And I appoint to you a kingdom as my Father has appointed to me that you may what? Eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. And sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Now I know how most people they read that. And they just think he's talking just to the twelve. He's, he is. But are we continuing with him now? In his temptations and trials for being Christians. Huh? Have he, has he called us? And made us kings and priests to our God? Shall we rule and reign with him? We're going to sit on thrones. Did you hear me? Not, not necessarily, the, you know, the twelve thrones ruling Israel, but there, there's more in the earth. Right? It's going to be interesting how it works out. 
I want you to read it again now. Apply it to yourself. He said, I want you to hear God talking to you personally. You are those that have continued with me in my temptations. How many know the trials and tests of this present life are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed? Hear the word of the Lord to you. I appoint to you a kingdom as my Father has appointed to me that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and you'll sit on thrones They're going to judge the 12 tribes of Israel. We're going to judge whatever He gives us. But we're going to sit on thrones judging in His kingdom. Can you say amen? Amen. We're going to come to that table now by faith. We're going to observe. Ushers, y'all go ahead and stand up and get ready. We're going to sit at the table of honor this morning. We're going to remember the covenant this morning. We're going to be thankful from the depths of our being this morning. Amen? We're going to acknowledge that everything we need to take care of our sins and our mistakes and our healing and our provision has been bought and paid for. And then also as we hold up the cup, we're looking forward to soon and very soon sitting down at the literal table of the Lord at our own place. Somewhere or another, I'm not saying that strong enough. Do you understand that soon and very soon, you and I are not going to be in a church building? We're going to sit down, and I'm going to look at you down at the end of the table, and somebody else at the end of the table, somebody else over at this end of the table, and we're going to say, I remember you. Yeah, I know you. I saw you. And the Lord's going to stand up and, and tap his glass or whatever he's going to do. And you and I are going to be sitting there smiling like the cat that got the canary, thinking, I am sitting at the Lord's table. Me. I'm sitting here. Hallelujah. Me. I'm sitting here with Peter and John and Moses and Abraham and David and Jonathan. Me. I'm sitting here. Hallelujah. Glory to God and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Guys, begin to sing about the blood. And as we do, meditate upon it. And get ready. If you've been bothered by something, there's full provision. If you've been in a pastureless land, get ready to meditate, to be free from condemnation and free from your problems.